Hi, and welcome to the Women in Archaeology podcast, a podcast about, for, and by women in the field. My name is Chelsea Slotten, and I'm your host for the episode. In this episode, we're joined by Dorothy Griffiths, a Caribbean archaeologist who focuses on post-medieval ceramics. We're also joined by Kirsten Lopez. Thanks so much for being on the show with me, everyone. Thank you. Of course. I'm happy to be yeah. here. Perfect. Um, so, Dorothy, I know that we've been emailing back and forth a little bit. Um, and I just have to say, I'm super excited to have you on the show to share your experience with us. With us. So since listeners haven't benefited from getting to talk to you or getting to email you, can you just give us a quick introduction into who you are and what kind of archaeology you're interested in? Okay. I am Dorothy Griffiths, uh, formerly from Kingston, Jamaica, now living in Brooklyn, New York. I started archaeology in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. after switching from being a teacher. So my first program of studies was at the University of the West Indies in Jamaica, where I did my BA in history and archaeology. And then I went to the UK where I did a postgraduate degree in post-excavation studies. Okay. So I studied archaeology for f- four years and I worked as an archaeologist for nine years. Okay. So you've had some good experience both doing, um, you know, archaeology and education. And can you tell us a little bit about, like, why you wanted to be an, an archaeologist or what motivated you to get into the field of archaeology? Getting into archaeology is rather interesting. Kind of weird, but interesting. When I went to the University of the West mm-hmm. Indies, I started out doing uh, social sciences and general history, like West African history, West Indian history. And somehow a friend of mine, I encountered a friend of mine who figured that I would be best suited doing archaeology. Now, the only place I saw archaeology was on TV when they would talk about um, Egypt and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so that thought never crossed my mind. But when my friend said, you know, he was doing it and he just figured that it would suit me, I just jumped at it. And so my major became very broad based. I did social science courses, but my major then became archaeology. And um, it was really fascinating learning all these new things, you know, about evolution and learning more about my country. Because I believe when I started archaeology, that's when I realized the depth of um, Jamaica's history. Sure. And the history of the, of the Caribbean. And, uh, you know, in other countries outside of the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a really important thing to to talk about because I know, um, you know, I've done training in, in the U.S. as well as in the U.K. But, and obviously like, everyone has their own specialties. I don't actually know that much about archaeology in Jamaica. And Kirsten, I don't know kind of what your, your background is on archaeology in Jamaica or really anywhere in the, in the Caribbean. Um, I do don't really have any um, experience in that area of the world. I've been interested in studying some of the islands, but I've never actually landed um, out there to to study it. So 
that's kind of where I'm from as far as like I'm I'm vaguely familiar with the Taino um, and some of the stuff that went on in Puerto Rico and um, Hispaniola, uh, but Jamaica is a whole other different large island that I'm not really that familiar with as far as the the deeper history. Okay, so Dorothy, do you mind um, educating us a little bit about? <laughs> yes, uh, I would love to. Jamaica's history spans uh, four cultures. Mm-hmm. We have the Taino, who were the first people. Then we had the Spanish. We had the Africans and the English. Mm-hmm. If I'm not saying them in the order, you know, towards the end, do forgive me. But uh, And thereafter, we had, through, through the plantation system, we had other groups that came, like the East Indians, the Chinese, and the Jews. Mm-hmm. But where we stand in terms of the richness of the culture, when we go out to do our excavations, what churns up a lot are artifacts from the Taino period, the Spanish, mm-hmm. and the, um, the European or the English, I should say. So that, that is what brought me so much into being fascinated by Jamaica's archaeology because of the extent of those artifacts that would churn up when we go out to excavate. As it relates to the Tainos, we would encounter, in some instances, in some of the parishes across Jamaica, um, Taino burials. Mm -hmm. And from such burials, we would have a lot of pottery, Pottery that spoke to um, earthenware related to whether burial or cooking ware. We would also come upon religious items like pieces of zemis. That was those were some of the gods that they mm-hmm. had. And as it as it relates to the African side of things, we would also find a lot of pottery. Okay. So that, that is what um, we would see a lot in our excavations or when we had to, when we were called in, because most of our projects focused on rescue archaeology. So there might be construction in progress or a road is going to be built. And in the process, after the land has been cleared of mm-hmm. forests, we don't have forests into really i mean like trees and so on and sometimes structures in that process things are found on the surface and so this is how we get a clear or better understanding of the extent to which jamaica's history spans so on such a site we may encounter three three different worlds that of the taino the spanish and most definitely the English. For example, if our excavation takes us to a historical site where there's a great house, it's likely that our a lot of artifacts would churn mm-hmm. up. And from that, as I stated, we get a better understanding of Jamaica's history and then that forces us or prompts us to do um, some 
historical invest investigation. So our team was a very unique team at the Jamaica National Heritage mm -hmm. Trust. Uh, the archaeologists that were within that organization, many of us were teachers and teachers of geography and history mm -hmm. and social studies. So we had that background that further aided us in understanding what we were encountering whenever we were called to a site to do any kind of rescue operation. Well, I know one thing we've, we've talked a lot about on the show is the importance of doing archaeology, not just like for archaeology's sake, but for making it, it public, right, and doing public outreach. Um, and it sounds like having a team full of educators yeah. might be a really great way of, of engaging that. Um, is there a big kind of push towards public engagement with archaeology in Jamaica or a Sadly, there isn't. Okay. So like many places. And um, yeah, I, I, we were so saddened by it because we were ed educators. That, that's the thing. Because I think when we came on board, and by we, I'm, I mean um, my colleagues, who many of them started in teacher's college with me. Others we met along the way when we went to university. Mm -hmm. So when we became a part of that organization we realized that there were a lot of gaps so many of the things that were put in place we were actually instrumental in doing that for example you you asked about the whole idea of educating we 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 would liaise with our head office where they had an educational mm -hmm. department and we would encourage them to write on excavations that we undertake Mm -hmm. you know and that was very slow in coming about so what we did as a unit we went on um i was a part of that i was part of that team that spearheaded going into the rural areas and into the schools we call it we call it archaeological mm -hmm. tours so what i would do i would go in the rural areas where um there's a lot of rich history and I would go in the schools and address the students on what they knew about archaeology and many of them had no yeah. clue so then that was the ethos of our job reaching the young ones first so that they could yeah. pass this knowledge on to their grandparents because what I did was I would I would present to them the whole idea of have you ever mm -hmm. gone in the field with grandpa and while grandpa is digging you see these weird looking stuffs coming up like some glass bottles that are dark or some pottery you know or some of these um plates that you see grandma have in the cabinets that nobody's allowed to use until Christmas time and when I say such things their eyes would park and they would get excited and everybody wants to tell me yes yes so that was the mode that we as archaeologists used to get the people involved and we started with the kids worldwide or, or nationwide not so not much although we have a ministry of culture mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we were trying to you know get them on board to understand that they need to, the people need to be sensitized so that in this way we can preserve 
our heritage more and make people more knowledgeable, especially the visitors. Yeah. Because what yeah. would happen is knowledgeable people would come as tourists and they get to know more about Jamaica than we do. And so they would come, sadly to say, and take away some of the artifacts. Yeah. yeah. Or it would be sold to them ignorantly. And then we, we lose a portion of our heritage and culture due to ignorance. So as you have asked, not much education is being done. Yeah, and unfortunately... Or yeah. wasn't and being done in our time. Tristan, did you have something you wanted to yeah. jump Tristan, in with? did you have something you wanted to jump in with? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I think that that is a challenge in a lot of places, although I think with the, the tourism um, angle, that is something that... I think Jamaica and other locations that have a really heavy tourism, um, mm-hmm. what's the economy? Uh, there's yeah. a lot of, it's very vulnerable to that type of uh, looting and sales of, you know, stuff yeah. that's quote unquote authentic and they don't really know what it is. And some of it is, is even if they know that it's sold, like you were saying, uh, Dorothy, people don't have like an attachment or like any sort of real idea or feel for that it's part of their heritage. Like when people yes. gain an attachment to it as far as, you know, owning it as theirs and it is of this nation, then that helps uh, really kind of preserve and give people a, a respect and an ownership over yeah. their um, heritage, yeah. their physical heritage. So. That's that's really cool work oh, that you were, you were doing down there. And, and if I may make, if I, sorry, if I may make another point on the matter of education, mm-hmm. I found something rather interesting. When I returned from from the UK in two thousand and one, after doing my masters, and I couldn't get back to my job of archaeology immediately, and I began going back into the schools to find employment as a teacher. Many of the, you know, we talk about ignorance, the people being ignorant, even those at the very top. Many persons or many principals or, or, or leaders in organizations, when they looked at my resume, they said, um, so what are we going to do with archaeology? You know, what, what, in your resume, I noticed you have archaeology. What are we going to do with that? And I was stunned that they were saying that. And I'm thinking, are they saying that to me because I'm female or they're say, they're just, it's just sheer ignorance? And I, I beat that, 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 that weird thought. How did I beat that? I went to a particular school for an interview for a teacher, as a teacher of English. And believe you me, when the principal saw archaeology, her eyes popped open. Mm-hmm. She was excited she began running around the office and showing people my resume. Wow, guess what? We have an archaeologist coming on board. Oh my goodness. I'm going to try my best not to lose you. I had only gone for a temporary job. Somebody had gone off on maternity leave. And I came in to fill that position for four months. That principal went to the social studies teacher and she bragged about me. 
She told the social studies teacher that she should make sure that she utilized my services as an archaeologist. Yeah. Well, and it was really interesting. You mentioned kind of going in and talking to to people and them saying, like, what are we going to do with archaeology? Because that's a question that I um, often face. And we've actually talked about on the podcast before is that, you know, um, undergrads who are getting a degree in anthropology, you know, whether or not they specialize in archaeology or not. And, um you know, the parents, friends, like, what is, what is anthropology? What are you going to do with that? Or if they think of archaeology, they think of, you know, Indiana Jones or Laura Croft. Yes. And, and like, that's glorified tomb raiding. <laughs> it's, it's yes. not really archaeology. And I think that something that archaeologists could do to your point about education is, is get out there and not just teach people about the history on, on islands and getting people engaged with, with the past and that connection and that kind of sense of community, but also teaching people why archaeology is important, right? And what it has to offer, which is a lot. Well, and one of the things too, as far as teaching, and this is something I've had conversations about um, with people as well, is that archaeology is one of the most diverse disciplines in types and angles and sub-disciplines and and bits of knowledge that are required to do it. Um, And then everyone has their specializations, but like you have the hard sciences, you have the social sciences, you have literature and history all combined, as well as you could throw philosophy in there, depending on uh, the type of archaeology you do, uh, public education, so there's so many ways that you can do archaeology, and it's uh, nice to hear that that's uh, something that you were able to to exploit um, and get a job and really kind of find someone that saw that in you of like you know there's more to this than tomb raiding. Right. <laughs> yeah, and Kirsten, that's actually a, a really good segue. We are approaching the twenty minute mark. But um, Dorothy, I'd really like to talk to you about the different type of archaeology that you're interested in, which is ceramics. And rather than jumping into that now, I'm going to suggest maybe go to break a minute or so early. And when we come back, we can talk about why you like ceramics. (laughs) Does that sound good? Yes. Yay. All right. During the break, why not check out the Women in Archaeology Patreon account? And there you can learn how to support the Women in Archaeology podcast and blog, and check out some of the blog posts we have been posting on our blog. You can see the different ways to become a patron of the Women in Archaeology, from $2 to $5 to $10, or even just showing your support and interest is always great. Thank you very much for listening, and hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Women in Archaeology podcast. So far on today's episode, we've been talking with Dorothy Griffiths, um, a a female archaeologist who works with post-medieval ceramics. And actually, the reason Dorothy got in touch with us was because she was interested in talking about her experience at a recent conference in London that was uh, kind of inspiring, but also brought some diversity questions. to her uh, attention. So I don't know, Dorothy, if you want to kind of jump in and explain a little bit about the conference that you attended and um, what was good and what you noted. Okay, so in March uh, of this year, I attended 
a conference that was being put on by Current Archaeology, uh, Archaeology, Archaeology Live 2019. Uh, it was quite fascinating, the, apart from the fact that it was held in London, where I never had the chance to go to, and it was being held at a prestigious university. I was impressed with the um, the outline of all the sessions for the day. And um, despite the conference focused more or a lot on burial archaeology, there were aspects that really fascinated me and gave me an opportunity to interface with various people from various um, backgrounds and skill sets in archaeology. Mm -hmm. One of the presentations or two of the presentations stood out for me and one of such is um, was done by Dr. Margarita Gleber from University of Cambridge. She spoke on you are what you wear, archaeological textiles and what we can learn from them. Mm-hmm. That's Kirsten's, hey. Kirsten's Avenue right there. Yep, I do textile analysis. Well, what? chemical analysis on textiles. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, tell me so, more. So I feel like I can just bow out here a little bit, and Kirsten, do you want to, like, nerd out for the next five minutes? I'll just, like, <laughs> disappear into the background. Totally. Yeah. So so that's your, your area of specialization, um, Kirsten? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I, I in, in all my, um... What should I say? Because I don't want to pretend as if I've sat at many tables, you know, or in many conferences. But so far, all the knowledge I've been garnering or gathering from archaeological settings, I have never yet come upon anyone who speaks of this type of archaeology. I don't know what category you'd put it in, whether you'd call it environmental archaeology. Am I, am I right, Kristen? Um, that's part you? that that is part of it yeah environmental oh, okay. has a has a big influence but uh it's referred to often as like uh fiber perishables okay. so textiles and related implements and other things that generally don't preserve oh. uh fit into this general category there are people that specialize in just like Peruvian textiles or Egyptian textiles, um, and then I'm sort of a larger general uh, generalist when it comes to textiles. So um, it's it's a very small field in the number of people that actually study it. Um, mm-hmm. So I am I am actually familiar. There was a publication that came out of the presentation that she did. So. I didn't purchase it, but I almost did. Okay. <laughs> I was looking at it. Um, so tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, presentation. Uh, from my, my little knowledge, because I, I, I'm trying to locate my notebook where I made my jottings. But um, from the top of my head, what, what, what fascinated me was the fact that um, they were able, she was able during her excavations to find evidence of these textiles to the point that she was able to to write on it that really fascinated me and the the type of um the different variety of materials that were found you know it, it, yeah. it 
it it it took me back to my time when I was doing um studying library science, and we were yeah. being taught about how books were made and the type of material. Mm -hmm. some, some of the things she presented about the type of material and where they came from, as she looked at the the um the the, the artifacts that were recovered in terms of of textile and how they were used and who wore what you know yeah that that really fascinated me and um the old delicacy of of working with artifacts such as this type that 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 she she um came upon which was more um prehistoric um mediterranean and middle mm -hmm. and near east um, yeah. Artifacts, you know, it, it was really fascinating. And the other area that also drew my attention, <laughs> which I'm also biased on, <laughs> because it it reminded me of my studies in library science, was looking at um, writing materials. I'm trying to give you the exact um, writing. This was done by Professor Hello. Eckhart, I don't know. I hope okay. I'm not pronouncing her name incorrectly. I hope I'm not. Uh, from the University of Reading, she mm -hmm. her presentation was on writing and power in the Roman world, literacies and material culture. That too, mm -hmm. you know, made me think back on my my skill set and my knowledge in library, where we we look at the stylus pen. You know, she in her mm -hmm. presentation she. She, she um looked at ink, um the different types of writing tools and who used them. The different class of people who actually used these 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 writing materials and so on. So that was really fascinating for me and held my attention. You know. Yeah, well, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So I know Dorothy in some of the emails that we've. We've had you noted um, that there was a kind of an interesting gender breakdown in terms of who was attending the the conference and some. You noticed there was some diversity. Yes, I, I was fascinated by the fact that we had a proliferation of women and older women at that conference, and even in terms of presentation that women and men were almost on equal terms. There weren't men who, you know, had PhD status more than men. There was, it was basically equal. And that really fascinated me and made me realize that as it relates to some professional fields, there is no one gender that is dominating. And I'm more fascinated that um, in archaeology, which is not a popular area of, of our, our career path, that women are just as present and outspoken as men. You know, women are doing as much dirty work, if I may <laughs> use that term loosely, as men. We are not afraid of getting dirt in our nails and getting our knees down in rough, tough surfaces. You know, I, I was really fascinated by that. 
what 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 worried me a bit though was I didn't see more of people of you know African descent or of my own race that that bothered me a bit <laughs> you know and um being from Jamaica which is out of many one people um there isn't a balance there either because <laughs> you know despite we're out of many one people in our own organization we had mostly if not everybody was of the same race that of african descent uh where yeah. we had uh um any change or any indifference it would be people who are visiting from university of florida who would be coming in to do research studies mm -hmm. so back to the conference i i was really fascinated and um you know i would love to see more of my people or, or people of african descent who specialize in various areas and fields in archaeology to be part of the the whole process yeah definitely you know? are, are there things that you think archaeology could do better to help um like interest and in, and in retain you know persons of color uh, I, I i think it, it has to do with mm -hmm. education if there is an interfacing of the universities with the um with the elementary schools then i believe that we will sensitize you know young people as to different parts of 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 career mm -hmm. endeavors i think that's where it begins you know i yeah. mean computer is taking over basically and most of the jobs are i think are more inclined in that direction but i think the onus is on universities to liaise more with the um primary institutions of of education to let the young people know that in terms of pursuing career endeavors they can look outside of the box mm -hmm. you know yeah and especially for the females it's this you know it's a far cry from thinking that we can as females still just pursue nursing and teaching there yeah. are the fields that um are as rewarding you know there are many women who you have more women now in um as engineers you know as lawyers those some of those fields that we would consider more male dominated so i see no problem or nothing to stop more women or more females especially of my race and ethnicity to enter into the field of archaeology when i when i went to university of leicester i was the only um african american or, or black mm -hmm. caribbean person who was in my department as an uh postgraduate student you know uh, and that's really kind of kind of telling right because one of the things that archaeology has talked about a lot even if it maybe doesn't always do the best job putting its money where its mouth is is the fact that differing 
opinions can be can be very valid, right? And very important because they provide different perspectives on the past, you know, and, and we have the material that we have and yes. we can interpret it, you know, the, the way that we think is the best, but the way that I interpret it may not be the same way as Kirsten interpreted it, may not be the same way as Dorothy interpreted it, may not be the same way as as someone else does and that 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 interpretation is impacted by our our lived experiences right and our our biases and that yeah. to really get at the truth and understand like the potential that the past has to to show us it's really important to consider all of the possibilities and the best way of doing that is by having a really diverse population engaged in archaeology yeah, that's true. Because even in one of the presentations, I can't remember specifically. I can't find my my uh, my booklet that I had originally, where I had made a note. There was a presentation that was done on the um. I don't remember. I don't want to quote it incorrectly. One of those medieval periods where one of the excavations revealed that an African American. Um, find was found of a human of a uh, African, um, and not African American. Sorry, an African person was found in one of the discoveries, and mm-hmm. I found that to be very fascinating. Being the only black person in that audience, I was excited, and I never yeah. got a chance to make a point about you know what was the feel like or or how much did they um try to popularize this finding so that um, people of African descent would understand that archaeology is not just about yeah. one group. Yeah. But there are many findings that would illustrate that um, that the African person, the person of African descent, did also surface in many of the medieval finds yeah. It's just that nobody has focused really on on, on extensive yeah. research to yeah. make it become popular and make people want to know and and to advance to to, to greater studies. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to voice that that opinion when when that information was was brought to our attention. But I I, I mentioned two areas that fascinated me, but I I forgot this one, which was made my eyes almost popped open as it was presented you know because they showed feature of this find that that showed evidence of the fact that yes this find is actually somebody who is of african descent because the physical features spoke loudly to that evidence so yeah it it is so important you know well and i think one of the important things that that you really uh, hit there is is bringing the information like this to the public so that people who in some um, regions of the world may be made to feel like outsiders when they actually have a very deep history in that region or in that area. And the UK is definitely no exception to that as to my knowledge or to, you know, it's not something like you you say you see often, but people of African descent have been mm-hmm. in the UK since the Roman era. So that's it. yes, that's it's not necessarily represented that way in the modern media or in the public. 
and having, I think people in the UK of African descent today have a right to feel like they belong and that they have mm -hmm. deep roots there as well. It's yes. not as a, much of an outsider feel to it as they may be led to believe. So I think I think that was a good point. It is. Well, and, and we see examples of that around, there's been several things in the, the newspaper in the last two or three years um, with some early colonial burials where they found someone who uh, is from, of African descent buried in a lead coffin, right? And, and lead coffins were expensive. Um, in, yes. Particularly yes. in the really early colonial period when you don't have a lot of towns or anything set up. Like this is stuff that's being shipped from Europe over here, right? And they're, and they're heavy, right? So you would have had to buy it in Europe <laughs> And then pay for people to yeah. move it and load it. And then it's taking up space on this ship that could have been used for, you know, grain or water or <laughs> some of these like <laughs> very foundational level requirements for life. Um, so this is really expensive. So it's really, really important that it be publicized, that it show up on podcasts, yeah. in newspapers, um, in historical representations, in museums, in classrooms. So that people realize that, you know, the the world is is a much more interconnected place and has been very interconnected for millennia. Awesome! I love that yeah. that note. <laughs> well, and actually, on that note, we are approaching, unfortunately, the end of our recording session. So I don't know if Dorothy or um, Kirsten, either of you, have any kind of last minute tidbits that you are really wanting to to get in there. But now's your chance. Yes, I, I I was very excited after attending the conference, and um, I, I I had hoped that you know at least one person would have somehow focused or make mention to a great extent about the post medieval ceramics. But be that as it may. Uh, it was very, it was a very rich conference, and yeah. um, I wish more of my own people knew of it so that they could also be part of the pool of present presenters, giving yeah. their perspective as it relates to our own culture and see how, you know, how symbiotic it is to that of the British culture. Um, historically, because uh, we cannot separate what archaeological evidences there are in the in British archaeology from what is in um, the Caribbean archaeology mm -hmm. and more so Jamaica, mm -hmm. because we are who we are mm -hmm. as a people because of the influence of Britain on yeah. on, on our culture. So they are sy yeah. um, symbiotic. No, that's that's really great. I think that's good. I didn't have anything okay. more special <laughs> well, to add. Dorothy, <laughs> it's really been so phenomenal having you on the show. We're so thrilled that you reached out to us and wanted to to come on. We've loved learning a little bit about you and about archaeology in Jamaica, um, and we are really really grateful for you making the time to to come on the show. So thank you so much. I'm grateful yeah. and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Of course. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. But on that note, until next time. Thank you. Wonderful having you. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. Bye.